Welcome to Take Your Stand, the podcast of Here I Stand Ministries. I'm your host, Luke Seibert. Let's explore more of what it means to live out the gospel by clinging to the Word and to one another. Over the past few weeks, we've been talking about the gray areas of the Christian life, or some gray areas of the faith, how, how we live that out, the areas of practice. In the past three episodes, we've looked at some of the theological foundations or the biblical evidence for these gray areas, that some things just don't jump right off the page for us, clearly in black and white. Uh, for example, like church government, uh, how do we uh, structure our churches, or the order of service, or even some matters of like personal conviction, like television, uh, we watch TV, uh, video game standards, things like that, the, we're not going to find clearly delineated in scripture. Some of those things weren't invented back then, um, or, or for various reasons, God has not revealed uh, specific standards on them uh, in the way that we, we think of, of standards a lot of times. But there are principles in Scripture that, that guide us. And so we've talked about some ways we can understand that. Uh, last week, we talked about theological triage uh, there by Albert Moeller and a category or a way of looking at those, recognizing that there are some things in Scripture that are very clearly laid out. And are, are very important, they're central to what it means to be a Christian, to be a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ in truth. And those we hold fast. There's only one way to view those. But then as you move, move down to the second and the third level, there is some variation. And we're given the Holy Spirit as a guide as we seek to navigate these gray areas to, to come to our convictions and a settled belief that, you know, as Paul says, that we, each person will be fully persuaded in his own mind or fully convinced in his own mind about the convictions that he holds. So this leads us to the to the question of how do we go about this? Uh, if there are these gray areas in, fa in the faith that we see in Scripture, evidence of that, how, and God wants us to hold convictions, how do we come about? How do we come? How do we go about seeking these convictions? Well, there may be some uh, some few ways that we could look at, but what a, uh, look at some ways that scripture talks about us seeking out to, to be able to hold these convictions. One very key and central passage is there towards the beginning of 1 Corinthians, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, uh, verses 12 through 16. And instead of the greater context of how Paul is contrasting a spiritual wisdom, the true wisdom from God with the wisdom of this of this world. And he says this, now we have received, not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may know the things freely given to us by God, which things we also speak, not in words taught by human, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. But a natural man does not accept the things of the spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually appraised. But he who is spiritual appraises all things, but he <clears throat> yet he himself is appraised by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord, that he will instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. A very uh, clear passage there, uh, a central passage, and there's a lot that's packed into there. But Paul is, is talking at the beginning, that God wants us to know the things that he has given us, spiritual truths, um, the fact that that we're saved by, by Christ and that, that, that we have fellowship with him, other uh, things that God has, has for us in this life. There are 
God wants us to know those things. And that's why we have the, one of the reasons we have the Holy Spirit. And he's, then he makes the point that the natural man, the man apart from Christ, someone who has not full, has not received the Lord Jesus, doesn't fully understand the things, that, uh, the things of God. The things God's given us, how we ought to honor the Lord, can't fully understand it. He says because they are spiritually appraised. Uh, that's how the NASB puts it. Um, other translations may say understand, uh, understand or understood. The word appraised there in, in the Greek, when you look at that, that word, it has the idea of he's examining evidence, like in a, like a court of law, that you're looking at all this evidence that is there and you're trying to come to a verdict. You're trying to come to a decision. And he's saying that the spiritual man, because he has the Holy Spirit, is able to do that, is able to evaluate things in the search and to come to a decision. And we shouldn't be unsettled and, and worried about it because we're not trusting ourselves. We're given the Holy Spirit. We have the mind of Christ, he says there. And so that's one of the, the foundational passages that shows us that, yes, some things may not be clear or right, um, obviously apparent at first glance. It's going to take some time. It's going to take some time trying to study it, uh, trying to, to wrestle with it and understand, Lord, how do you, what conviction do you want me to have in this? How would you have me respond to this situation? Uh, what standards would you have me to have? There are other passages as well. It's not just 1 Corinthians. I believe in a previous episode, we talked about the end of Hebrews 5, where Paul, or the, the author there describes the mature as those who have their uh, senses trained, I think this is by constant practice, to discern good from evil. The idea of discernment, it, it takes time and growth and maturity as we, as we grow in that. Another passage there is Philippians chapter 1, verses 9 through 11, which is one of the places where we see Paul's prayer in his heart for believers. And he says this, And this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in real knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve the things that are excellent, in order to be sincere and blameless until the day of Christ having been filled with the fruit of righteous, righteousness, which comes through Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. In his prayer there, he, he's praying that they would grow in their love, love for God, love for one another. And that doesn't just mean they accept anything in the name of love. He says it also involves some discernment about knowing how do we love the Lord? How do we love each other? How do we walk in that love? It's going to require some discernment so we can approve the things that are excellent. Well, if there are things that are excellent that we ought to, to seek out and to approve, to, to, to uh, hold fast to, that also means there's going to be some things that are not excellent, some things that we need to pass over or, or to, to reject or say, you know what, I, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to become involved with that. I'm going to choose something else. I'm going to choose the way of excellence. And Paul wanted, wanted the Philippian believers to do that. And we ought to follow their example to be able to seek and approve those things that are excellent. Another example of this comes from the Lord Jesus himself uh, when he, during the incarnation in John chapter 7. Uh, it's part of an ex, uh, extended context there that previously two chapters, back in John chapter 5, Jesus healed a man who, was, who had some leg problems, his legs were withered, and he had been like that for a really long time. And so Jesus commands him to get up and to walk and to carry his bed, carry his pallet, as, the, uh, as he puts it. The issue was, in terms of a Jewish mind, was that Jesus told him to do that on the Sabbath. And according to the extra tradition that the uh, the Pharisees and their religious leaders had come up with, you weren't allowed to do that. You weren't allowed to carry a bedroll on the Sabbath day. And so they begin to 
decide how to persecute Jesus. And Jesus tells them, look, I'm doing the deeds of my father. And they take offense at that. And so the, the religious leaders start to come up with this plot to kill him. So we fast forward to John 7 and Jesus is there and he's teaching and the Jews are, are wondering, how did he, how did he get this under this understanding? How did he get this learning? And Jesus tells him, it's, it isn't coming from myself. I'm just teaching you the things the father has taught me. And then he, he then he says, why do you seek to kill me? And the crowd is like, what are you talking about? Who seeks to kill you? And then he pick he says this in John 7, 21 through 24. Jesus answered them, I did one deed and you all marvel. And, and you all marvel. For this reason, Moses has given you a circumcision. Not because it is from the fathers, but, uh, but not that it's from Moses, but from the fathers. And on the Sabbath, you circumcise a man. If a man receives circumcision on the Sabbath so that the law of Moses will not be broken, are you angry with me because I made an entire man well on the Sabbath? Do not judge according to appearance, but judge with righteous judgment. Jesus was saying there, he says, you guys are breaking these extra traditions and rules that you guys came up with as you try to follow the law of Moses. And it's a small thing like circumcision. It's a Yes, it was a sign of the covenant. It was it was a big deal for them, but it was always a small part of the person. And so Paul, Jesus is saying, "Look, I made an entire man well, and that as he was saying that that's better than just taking care of one small thing or just trying to carry off a checklist." Um, he was he was serving this man and, and brought healing to him. And then that last sentence there in John seven twenty four, he says, "Do not judge according to appearance, but judge with righteous judgment." What Jesus was saying there was that. The, the value of what he was doing, the rightness of what he did may not have been obviously apparent to them at first glance, that they were just looking at the appearance sake. But he's saying, if you took the time to really consider what I did and why I did it and what the truth of God's word says, you would see that, that it was acceptable. And we can extend that principle to other things in life as well. Um, some things, this may not uh, give us an accurate judgment if we just look at an appearance sake. It may take some time to consider to try to delve into uh, understanding it or understanding why people why um, understanding the why or trying to understand uh, certain things more or why people have, have the standards that they do. It's going to take a little bit of time trying to invest ourselves and to seek that out. <clears throat> and so those are, those are just a few passages that talk about how there is going to take some time of us wrestling. I was examining evidence and weighing the, the situations or the, the options that are out there and seeking the guidance of the Holy Spirit to know which, uh, how, how he would have us to live, what standards he would have us to choose. So that's, that still doesn't exactly tell us how do we go about that. There are some people come up with some different ways. Uh, here are a few ways that uh, have been helpful for me or that I've heard about holding to convictions. How we go about this, try to choose the, the standards or how we ought to live out our faith. Primary to this is remembering the goal is honoring Christ, is seeking to be pleasing to him. And it's not just do what feels good to us or what sounds good. It's the goal of, I want to please the Lord Jesus. And Paul brings this out in a few different places. Uh, Colossians 1 verses 9 through 10, another part, one of his prayers for believers. He says, for this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects, 
bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. Uh, what he's referring to there, what he'd heard, was about the, the love that the Colossians had for other believers and their faith. He's saying, and that, that's what he was referencing there. But what his prayer was that they would, would know God's will, and they would walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, in a way consistent or honoring to the Lord Jesus, and would, would, would please him in everything. In every aspect of their life, they would have that goal of seeking to be pleasing to the Lord. And Paul says this about himself in 2 Corinthians 5, 9. He says, uh, there in the, the greater discussion about um, about being at home, being here on earth, but still longing to be there in heaven. He says, therefore, we also have as our ambition, whether at home or absent, to be pleasing to him. Paul is saying that, we, that our goal does not change. Both here on this earth and when we get home to, to, to heaven to be with the Lord forever, our goal is still going to be one. It's going to be this goal of pleasing the Lord Jesus. And so that is insightful for us as we seek to uh, navigate this idea of the gray areas uh, of the Christian life. Is This is an anchor or a goal point of seeking to please the Lord Jesus. And that's uh, Ephesians also talks about there trying to be pleasing to him as part of walking in the light. Uh, another thing to to recognize is is that the goal, one of the goals of Christian life, is conformity to Christ's image. It's not just an outward thing; it's an inward heart transformation, a transformation of character. Romans eight twenty nine says this: For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his Son, so that he would be the firstborn among many brethren. That is one of God, that's God's goal for us is that we be conformed to the image of Christ and our character and our heart will be transformed into his, into his image. And then Paul says in 1 Timothy chapter 1 there, um, he's describing why he left Timothy at Ephesus. He's saying there's, there's some false teaching that was going on there and he needed, Tim, uh, he needed Timothy to stay so he could go ahead and, and, and respond to those and to teach things that were correct. And then in 1 Timothy 1.5, he, he tells Timothy, here is the goal. Here's every, everything that you're doing, all your teaching. Everything must, be goal, must have this goal in mind. And he says this. He says, but the goal of our instruction is love from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Those are all character attributes. He's not telling Timothy, make sure your people, they have this particular standard here. And they line up like this in this way. Or they have... Uh, this certain conviction in this area, he, outward things. He says the goal of our teaching is, is a heart change, is that they would have a, a pure love for God, for one another, a good conscience, and a, and a sincere faith. It's not something put on, but from their heart, they truly are convinced that the, in, the, in the Lord, that he is the one who saves them and how they ought to live to, to please him. And that is what the, the goal is. And a lot of times... We can get so focused on certain standards or certain things that we, that we read or we hear, and we can get the, get the idea that God is only pleased about uh, outward things. Well, he's after our hearts, and yes, it is going to manifest itself in certain outward behaviors. The Lord has given us a clear instruction on, on certain things, um, such as you know not, <clears throat> not lying. Uh, not being greedy, uh, certain these things that is going to affect our behavior, obviously, to do that. But it's not only externals that he that he's after our hearts. That we can 
look righteous to others, to ourselves and to others uh, outwardly. But God is God sees inside. He He wants our hearts. And so that something to, to remember is as we're seeking to know what convictions the Lord would have us to have, that we have as that goal to be pleasing to the Lord and recognizing that part of uh, one of the major ways that we please him is by being conformed to his image, having that, that goal of uh, of a heart transformation that comes through beholding the, beholding the Lord, us, there at 2 Corinthians 3.18, uh, meditating upon him. But reckon and then choosing to align our lives in consistent with who Christ is, and so it's it's a transformation of character. <clears throat> uh, another thing to consider as we're looking at what convictions we ought to hold is to consider what areas of temptation are, are we susceptible, and what what areas do we feel especially weak in or especially tempted in, and if maybe a particular standard. Uh, would cause us to face more undue temptation than others. I mean, we shouldn't have that. Um, Romans 13, uh, yeah, 13, 13 and 14 says this. He says, Paul says, let us behave properly as in the day, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual promiscuity and sensuality, not in strife and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision in regard to the, make no provision for the flesh in regard to its lusts and saying don't give yourself uh, an opportunity uh, to sin if you know you're, you're tempted in some area don't put yourself in a situation that is going to cause you to face unnecessary temptation uh, don't set yourself up for failure is basically what he's saying choose to follow after the lord jesus christ his character and be careful with what um, opportunities you put yourself in uh, this may be uh, in particular, temptation that you struggle with, like such as um, alcohol. You know, some people may are more susceptible to that than others get susceptible to drunkenness. And so maybe abstinence would be a better choice for them. Or uh, other other considerations may there would say, well, you know, I don't want to put myself in that situation. So I'm going to choose not to drink. It's not being legalistic and saying the Bible demands that for all people in all time. But it's saying, I don't want to put myself in a situation where I'm unduly or unnecessarily tempted, especially if we know that's a situation that we find ourselves weak in and are more susceptible to. We, we don't want to put ourselves in that, sl that slippery slope in that area. So again, that, that comes back to the root of being pleasing to Christ from the heart, that if our goal is to be pleasing to him, that includes guarding ourselves from sin. It's not that we're relied upon the certain standards uh, to make us acceptable to him, but it's to help help us stay on the right path so that our hearts are following after Christ. So um, that was fourth, uh, you know, considering what areas we may be uh, particularly, uh, that was the third one, considering what areas that we are particularly tempted in. Uh, a fourth consideration could be, is, um, am I fully persuaded in my heart that this is acceptable? This comes from uh, Romans 14, uh, verses 22 and 23, where Paul says, <laughs> The faith which you have, have as your own conviction before God. Happy is he who does not condemn himself in what he approves. But he who doubts is condemned if he eats, because his eating is not from faith. And whatever is not from faith is sin. This goes back to how we started this mini-series on gray areas, where Paul was talking about this controversy in the church about, do we eat meat, do we not? Uh, there could be some various things that were going on there uh, about the meat. Offer sold in the meat in the in the, the public market, 
or the, the clean, unclean dietary restrictions. And Paul is saying, that's what he's referring to there by the, you know, eating not from faith. That God wants us to have these convictions and to, to hold them uh, in our hearts. It's not just, oh, I like this other person and I see how what convictions they have, so I'm just going to copy them. That's, that's not holding convictions in the way that God wants us to. We're not to imitate other men. We're to be pursuing Christ, to be conformed to his image, not to this particular human teacher or to this particular friend. It's uh, We can gain insight from them and can listen to maybe how God has led them. But at the heart, with the, the, um, a more fundamental or a root issue there is, are we in our heart convinced that this is the conviction that the Lord would have us to hold? There, and Paul is saying that the specific thing of whether they ate meat, whether they didn't, what they did in that sense did, was not nearly as important as why they did it. And that's in so in so many areas uh, of the Christian life, it comes back to the aspect of why are you doing this? Um, and turning our hearts to the Lord and making sure that we're walking in a way consistent with Him as we're pursuing Him and not relying upon certain standards we're not thinking that if we adopt these certain standards then we're going to be safe um no it's it's constantly coming back to that, that primary goal of pleasing the lord and recognizing that pleasing him is being conformed to his image turning from sin walking after pursuing him that it is guarding ourselves from unnecessary temptation it's being fully persuaded in our heart about the convictions that we hold other people may not hold the same standards but we're, we're, we're convinced and understand that this is how the Lord has led us, and we are holding those. And then a, a fifth aspect, and the last one that I'll cover today is, will this hinder my witness? Will, it, will this hinder me being able to share the gospel with others? Uh, this is, comes from 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 11 and 12, where Peter says, Beloved, I urge you, as aliens and strangers, to abstain from fleshly lusts which wage war against the soul. Keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles, so that in the thing in which they slander you as uh, evildoers, they may, because of your good, because of your good deeds, as they observe them, glorify God in the day of visitation. Peter is saying, yes, you're supposed. To, there, there's a way that we ought to live before the world, because we recognize that um, they're watching us, and saying, don't give them an offense. It doesn't mean that if we live in a particular, if we live in a certain way, that everyone's going to receive the gospel. Uh, there's, there's not. Paul, P Peter is saying there are still going to be those who are going to revile us, but when the day comes when they're going to have to give an account before the Lord, they're going to have to acknowledge that it was unfounded, that we lived in a way that was consistent to the Lord, that the Lord's message was true, the gospel was true, and they're going to have to glorify God. But Peter is saying, don't give them any cause to try to reject the faith. Don't make them, don't live in such a way that people would look at you and say, why do I want to hear anything that you have to say? I don't want to live like you do. Why, why do I want to listen to your message? We should live in such a way that would cause unbelievers to, to wonder about what's different um, and what is to know what, why, why do we live the way that we do? They, get, they may not accept the message, but we shouldn't cause a stumbling block or unnecessary, unnecessary hindrance to the gospel by how we live. And... <clears throat> And so those are just some five ways that uh, have been helpful for, for me or things that I've heard that have been help that can help people find what convictions they ought to hold. And there, there may be some other points out there. Uh, Paul talks about in Corinthians chapters uh, eight and 10, especially about all things may be lawful or quote, 
oh yeah, you may be able to do them, but they may not be helpful. They're not edifying, that he wasn't going to be enslaved by anything. Those are some other helpful principles to consider. He says, is this going to bring me into bondage? Is this going to help me in my pursuit of Christ? Uh, some of those other aspects there, First uh, Corinthians 8 and 10. And we could draw some other principles as well. These are just maybe some ones maybe that kind of stir the pot, stir the pot, kind of get you thinking about it. And as we as we pursue Christ and seeking, how do we live in such a way that we are pursuing Him, seeking to please Him, as we hold these convictions? <clears throat> this shouldn't make us unsettled or make us afraid that man, I had to spend all this time doing such great deep study, like I'm going back to school or something to try to come up with what convictions I have to hold. No, we're not supposed to be afraid. We're not given the spirit of fear. We're, we're given the Holy Spirit as a guide, as a, he is the one who will teach us truth. He'll He'll lead us. We don't have to be afraid. But there there is aspects of the faith, that, aspects of how we live, that we need to spend some time considering to think about what standards we ought to hold. And it's not to cause us fear that, oh, if I just, hey, I'm not going to get something quite right. Uh, no, we're not to be unsettled about that. Rather, we're to have that our eye, spiritual eyes fixed upon the Lord Jesus Christ as we seek to be pleasing to him in every aspect of our life um, and that we're from our hearts we are pursuing him and living in such a way that will honor his word and honor the gospel and this also means that we're not all going to have the same convictions or the same standards uh, there are certain aspects of this that are more personal that are affected by our background by our context uh, time period of life even so that they may change between they may be different between people or even may change in different seasons of life that we go through it doesn't make us un unsettled or it shouldn't make us unsettled as um it's because we're each pursuing after the lord jesus lord jesus christ and if we're each persuaded in our own heart that is what that's what he's after and we talked last week about uh theological triage and those ones of primary level ones yeah those are there's only one interpretation for those They're, those don't change but as you go further down the list to the second and the third level, there is going to be more variation. And that's okay. That The Lord just ha has clearly laid out in Scripture the things that uh, that we need to know. That he's given us everything pertaining to life and godliness, as 2 Peter 1 tells us. But some area, the areas that he hasn't clearly delineated in black and white, uh, he has given us some freedom. He has given us Christian liberty there, not just for a free-for-all, but for us as we seek to pursue Christ. And Kevin DeYoung is helpful here in his book, The Whole in Our Holiness. And he talks about what tr true holiness really is. It's conformity to Christ's image. And he points out some things that holiness is not. Like, he says, holiness is not mere rule keeping. It's not that we have these particular standards, and if we have them, then we're, then we're really holy. And that's, uh, that's one of the traps there. Uh, and I know that was one that I, I've struggled with sometimes. I look at certain groups, and I'm like, man, they look so so wholly outward that I wanted to, to follow after them. But by doing so, I was trusting in man or in man's standards or man's interpretation, trying to imitate men rather than pursuing Christ from the heart. And uh, that's why uh, there are certain rules that we ought to, ought to follow, that uh, there are commands of Christ that we see in the Gospels, clear commands in Scripture. We do follow those, but holiness is more than that. It's conformity from the heart to the image of Christ. Another trap that uh, De Young points out is that holiness is not just generational imitation. When we look back at some past times in, in history, and we say, "Man, people were more godly then, or they had these certain standards which appear more holy to us." 
and we can try to replicate that. And he's saying that that's not what true holiness is. He says every generation is going to have its own blind spots. And we're still trusting in man if we just try to imitate them. The goal is imita to imitate Christ, not just another human. And that it, it's not to negate that God has given wisdom to men and women in the past or even in our own time. And we can learn from them. But our goal is not following after a, a man or a woman. It's following after the Lord Jesus Christ. So I know there wasn't a whole lot of specifics nailed down. Like here are the convictions that we ought to hold. But if God wanted us to have that, um, that back up, I should I say that I didn't talk a lot about concrete. Here are the convictions that we ought to hold because God hasn't, hasn't nailed those down for us in scripture. He's given us everything we need to know. It, it revealed in the word and he's given us the holy spirit to guide us as we interpret that and seek to live it out and so there's gonna be some variation between believers and that shouldn't make us unsettled it's recognizing that we serve a god who is vast who is beyond our comprehension and that we're not going to fully understand him and every and all his ways and that uh, we're each pursuing him from our from the heart and that means that we're going to have to guard ourselves in particular areas because we don't all face the same temptations in the same way. Uh, or that, that, coming back to the idea of, of our hearts turning after Christ. So it shouldn't make us unsettled. It's just recognizing that we are being fully persuaded. We're committed to the Lord and resting in him, not resting in particular convictions. So this brings up an interesting point that if we're each pursuing Christ uh, from the heart, and we each have these convictions, and these convictions are not going to be all the same between all believers. What is our responsibility to one another? How do we how do we live with each other, holding these different convictions? And that's uh, Paul talks about that as well in Romans 14 there that we've talked about a lot, and also in First uh, Corinthians. So and that's a, a topic that we'll look at. Lord willing, we'll look into our next episode. I appreciate people listening to the podcast. Uh, you enjoy us. I appreciate it. I encourage you to. Give a, give a rating and a review. But until next time, read the word and take your stand. Thank you for listening to the podcast. I hope it was an encouragement and a blessing. To find out more information about Here I Stand Ministries, check out hisministries.com. Scripture quotations are from the NASB, the New American Standard Bible, copyright 1971-1995 by the Lockman Foundation, used by permission, all rights reserved.